I believe that leadership isn't a position or a role, it's an action and a choice. I believe that leadership can be learned. I believe that great leaders emerge from adversity. I believe that Happy Valley is full of great leaders. These are their stories. Welcome to the Penn State Leaders Podcast. Today with me, I've got Bill Sitzeby, who's the Vice President of Facilities Management and Planning and Penn State's Chief Facilities, Inform- Chief Facilities Officer. So welcome, Bill, to the Penn State Leaders Podcast. Yeah. Hi, Dave. So, Bill, uh, I know you're busy and uh, we have a little bit of time here, so we'll try to jump right in. Um, can you tell me a little bit about uh, what your role is at Penn State and how you got here to Penn State. Sure. So my role is actually, uh, um, I'm the chief facilities officer and uh, I'm in charge of planning and oversight as well as environmental health and safety. Um, it's, a, it's a big operation. The office of physical plan is a, just under 1,500 uh, of uh, folks that run um, operations. And we actually support uh, all the Commonwealth campuses as well as University Park. So that's approximately 33 million square feet of built space and 26,000 acres uh, of space that uh, um, is a big deal. We have many utility plants. We have two steam plants. Uh, We generate electric, we generate chill water, we make our own water, we manage our own wastewater system. And so basically we run a, a, a city and we do that on behalf of the university. My path to get here has been interesting. Uh, I started uh, with a career in the United States Air Force. I was a civil engineer or pretty much that's like a public works and a construction type uh, career field. I spent 22 years in the military. Along the way, uh, I managed to to get a master's degree and a a PhD uh, through the military. Um, My my terminal degree at uh, NC State and that was probably my first real touch at higher education. Um, and then, uh, and, and part of that was a follow-on to teach at the Air Force Institute of Technology. So my career in higher ed started um, on the education side and kind of moved over to the administration side based on my first 20 some odd years in the uh, Air Force uh, actually doing operations. Um, I'm, a, I'm a combat veteran. I've uh, deployed seven combat tours. Uh, I've done all kinds of uh, construction and contingency operations um, all over the world. And it, so it fits very neatly into sort of being the, the lead operations guy uh, here for Penn State. That's great. That's impressive. Thanks for sharing all that. So Bill, as you think about kind of your leadership journey, what person or people you think do you think influenced you the most to become the leader that you are today? Yeah, I think uh, that, that's a big answer because uh, obviously uh, my mom and my family uh, created the foundation to, I think, the, the character that I, I am or my personality. Um, I would say that in my professional career, I've been blessed with a, a whole bunch of great mentors. Um, and I still stay in touch with several of them. I just talked to a, a retired four-star general uh, uh, last week and you know we just uh, keep track of each other. You know, when I when I thought about this question, I really thought maybe the right answer is not one individual, but when you're looking to create that network of mentors, is to really think about balancing that out. Um, no one person has got this all figured out, and so as you think about that group of mentors, 
Some folks may, uh, you may wanna um, use as a technical mentor. Some may be a professional development mentor. Some might be um, an ethical leadership kind of mentor. Um, you know, so what I would suggest is to try to have a broad network of folks that you trust and realize that they're gonna have certain strengths and weaknesses. And so when you're working through an issue, uh, it's okay to bounce that issue off for a couple, two, three different folks and to kind of get a perspective. And you'll find that those perspectives will be different, but from there you can shape your own decisions and your own leadership. Yeah, that's great. And that, that makes a lot of sense. That's, uh, I think you're right. I think one, one person is not enough to get enough of the understanding of all the different ways leadership, you know, can impact you all different way people lead, right? The, the number of leadership styles is as diverse as the number of people that, uh, that do the leading. So that, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think the, the, one, the one nice thing about uh, a good mentor is somebody who's going to pull you aside and help you see your strengths, but also help you identify your gaps. We all have gaps. And, you know, uh, I think some of the most successful leaders are the ones that aren't necessarily flawless, but they have a good understanding of where their gaps are and how to surround themselves with a team of folks that can support them in those areas. Right, right. So fill in create a team around you that fills in the gaps that, that you know you have, right? So one, like you said, one is knowing that you have them and then being smart enough to know you need to fill in um, with your leadership team in, into those areas. That's great. Um, can you remember a time of adversity that really shaped you and impacted you to be the leader that you are today? Well, I think you, you know, um, at this point in my career, I've had more than 30 years uh, in a professional career and I think each time you go through those little incremental adversities, you learn something. Oh, you should should learn something. Hopefully you learn something so you don't repeat that mistake. Um, I, I like to think of those as, um, I've always lived by the mantra of learn from your mistakes is good. Learning from the mistakes of others is better. So you don't have to you know, make the mistake yourself. Um, I think the idea there is to address things intentionally, right? Self-reflect. Um, yeah, there's been a lot of times I've had a lot of adversity, whether it's been, um, you know, in, in a difficult combat situation or dealing with a difficult person or having that tough conversation. But I think the, the lesson that I learned through that is you have to have periods of, of uh, strategic thinking and white space and reflecting. I don't know that um, in today's modern era where you've got all this communication and you know, people can contact you and they, they basically want an answer back in moments versus days. Um, it doesn't allow the leader enough time to stop and actually think about and shape the answer and think about where you're going as an organization. And I think the, the truly thoughtful strategic leaders try to create enough space and reflection um, to assess what was that adverse situation? What's that problem? How did I deal with it? And then how am I gonna use that in the future and then when you are up against a, a, a situation, and it, and it could be, you know, some folks might not think it's a really that big a deal. It, maybe it's not a crisis. COVID certainly laid on us a whole lot of crisis that we had to think about. Um, but it can also be budget constraints. It can be, you know, turnover of your leadership team just due to, you know, retirements and, and attrition. Um, these are the kind of things that I think you have to sit back and be thoughtful about and be intentional about. Um, I think. Any, any successful leader that would say they haven't had an adverse uh, you know, time in their career, um, 
probably hasn't thought about it enough, but I would say, you know, there's been a lot of times, and I, I think really maybe the better question is, what are those key mistakes that you've made along the way that you've learned from? And, um, you know, I, I can think of countless examples. Um, you know, I, when I was a young lieutenant, I, I had to lead a change uh, in an organization, and uh, and I and I screwed it up. I I didn't screw it up that we weren't successful, but what probably should have taken three to six months to do took me more than a year and a half because I didn't communicate. I, I wasn't upfront, and and that was something I had learned at that time. And then the next time I went through a major change, uh, organizational change, I really spent some time thinking about that and how I could have done that better, that little change when I was a young officer and how I was going to formulate a plan in what was a fairly significant organizational change uh, actually at Cornell University. And, um, and I think we really had a great successful change. We put together an entire project management team, uh, overcame decades of, of just cultural resistance uh, and did that in, I think, short order because we had a very high sense of communication. Well, that was a lesson I had learned almost 20 years ago, before that. So there's an example. That's great. Um, and it's it's interesting. I think you get the perspective. And I, I mentioned this when I talked to Don of, well, when you're in the military, you don't really need to worry about those kind of things because people, you just tell people what to do, right? And and you and I, you and I both know from our military experiences, uh, that that is not how how things work. You know, humans are humans wherever they are, and if they understand why, they're gonna they're gonna embrace the change much better if they're part of the change, if they're listened to, if their concerns are addressed, than if they just feel like they're following orders. Yeah, I, I you know a lesson that I had learned uh, overseas. I, I spent some time as a political military advisor and worked with a lot of different international um, cultures and, and communities and. You know, one lesson that um, I think folks that aren't in the United States think about is building that relationship and establishing that relationship before you run into a major decision is so important. And, you know, in the military, your folks will trust you because they said, go do it. And they trust the system. They trust that you're in charge and you, you've earned that position. But at the same time, when you're not in that decision to have to make a quick decision like that, um, you have to build that rapport. You have to build the trust of the troops. That's why we worry about morale so much uh, in, the, in the military, because if the morale is good, there's trust there, it's trust in the leadership. And then it's that trust that you need when you have to make quick decisions. And then there's times where, and, and you know, a military tradition is after through a major issue, whether it's a, uh, you know, a, a combat run or, you know, a major overhaul or something, we do what we call hot you, you go back and you assess, well, how did that work? What did we learn? And it's in that hot wash time that you're sharing with all those folks that were in that process, your decision-making thinking, and you get feedback and they learn to increase that trust. So I think that's really important too. Yeah. And it's kind of like the reflection that you were talking about you do as a leader, right? It's almost the organizational reflection of right. taking that time. What did we learn? How do we make sure we're better next time? Yeah, that's great. Um, you, you, Bill, leadership is definitely something that's studied, right? It, coming from a military tradition, it's something you've studied from the minute you entered, you know, military training as a, a ROTC uh, cadet, um, and something that you then have professional development for for your decades, right? So right. how do you 
how do you make that a part of your individual professional development? Are there other books or authors or podcasts or activities that you do or you could recommend to others to, to continue to improve on leadership? Well, you know, obviously there's a lot you can do um, and you have to figure out a style that works for you. Um, I would say the most important thing is to be intentional about it, right? So I, I'm an avid reader and I read all kinds of stuff. I don't read just kind of one thing, but um, you know, I'm, I'm reading a book right now called Spiritual Leadership and it's, uh, you know, uh, talks about ethical, you know, leadership and character and, and those things that people seek. And it, it applies, whether it's a church group or a CEO, um, it's those same principles that apply, right? So there's, there's all kinds of nuggets to learn there. Um, I think it's really important to also have wise counsel. I, you know, I read a lot. I, um, I, I seek out wise counsel. I talk about it. I try to be intentional about it. Doing things like this is a great opportunity uh, to do that. Um, I would say that no matter what you pick or how you decide to do that, try to make sure there is a diversity of thought in what you're, you're preparing yourself with. Um, try to understand all sides of, of an issue. Try to understand where other people are coming from. Um, you know, there was a, a book that I uh, read many, many years ago. I used to teach it in one of my courses uh, on contract negotiations called Getting to Yes. Highly recommend it. Um, it, it, you know, it's not a panacea, but there's some little nuggets of things that your, your mom probably taught you when you were little about separating the people from the problem, working on the problem and not letting the relationship of the people get in the way. These are all kinds of things that are little nuggets that I've learned away from, from a lot of stuff. Um, I think the military does a great job with leadership because like you said, you study leadership, you learn from leadership, you learn processes, it's intentional. Um, and, but, but the military also calls out bad leadership. So, you know, as you move up the chain through their um, up and out kind of process, um, you know, they remove bad leaders. In most cases, you know, it's an organization, you're always going to have good and bad, and it's, it's a normal curve distribution. Um, but for the most part, they, they have strong leaders because strong leaders are promoted through the system and uh, weak leaders are, are typically called out. Um, and, and remember, not everybody has to be a leader to be successful. You know, and, and the one uh, saying we used to say in Red Horse is lead follower, get out of the way. And any good leader has to be a good follower. You know, if you're going to be a successful leader, you have to know how to follow because none of us are without a boss. Um, and I think that's an important lesson. Yeah. And, and I, I think I would add to that, you know, kind of one of the ideas behind this podcast is really anyone can be a leader too, right? Leadership as an activity and not just a role. So you can be in a follower role, but being a leader in how you influence people, move things forward, um, and in all the ways that you move the mission forward, right? You can be a leader, even though you're not in an official leadership role, that people will follow a good leader kind of regardless often of rank or or authority if that to all things you talked about the trust and the relationship and and you know the competency of that individual yeah i think that's really important um you know there there are times where i've been uh when you go through sos uh squadron officer school you know you're thrown in a group of 13 individuals and you're assessed and and you're actually you know measured on how well you follow whoever is the designated leader right so we we practice that we we've practiced that um, I know that for me, that if there's a strong leader up in front of the organization, I'm more than happy to follow them and, 
And I think, you know, a, a lesson I learned along the way about me, right, is making sure that um, ethically and morally that my leadership style and the leaders in the organization are aligned. You know, sometimes uh, you get that individual that says, I'm just struggling here and I'm, I'm looking for a different job. I, I can't get behind what the organization is or what they're doing. And I think to be successful, whether you're a successful follower or a leader, you have to fully support your organization that you're in, whether that's, um, you know, your professional organization, your spiritual, you know, whatever it is, you have to basically, you know, have confidence in that leadership. And if you don't, then you have to, you know, evaluate, you know, am I aligned correctly? Is the organization aligned correctly? Or do I need to come together? Or do I really need to find an, somewhere else, another organization that I can get behind? There are some folks that want to be successful leaders in a dog-eat-dog world, and that's not for me. I, um, and that's part of why, you know, I chose my career path. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're, we're just kind of wrapping up here. Any, uh, any if people want to learn more about you, about who Bill Sitsaby is, um, do you have any web or social media presence if someone wanted to, to learn more about you? Um, I, I have a, 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 a daughter who helps me with my social media presence by telling me not to have one, right? Um, <laughs> no, I, I'm, uh, I, am, I do uh, have a LinkedIn um, profile. And, um, you know, one thing that just been me with LinkedIn, I, I protect that network. Um, you know, and I don't just blindly accept, you know, folks from LinkedIn. I, I will usually um, want to have met somebody, want to talk to them before I'll LinkedIn with them. Just because, you know, at some point, somebody else is going to reach out and say, hey, I see your LinkedIn with this person. Can you tell me about them? And maybe that's a dying process, but I know that my era of folks and my network, whether it's my military network or my higher ed, you know, Ivy League network or Big Ten network, we pick up the phone and we talk to each other and we talk about each other and, and we ask about folks. And I think it's really important that you have a strong network that you can trust. Um, really, really important. Um, I don't do a lot in terms of social media, but you know, our organization has a strong social presence, a social media presence in terms of our website and everything. Um, and I do prefer that more person-to-person -person networking. I, I, I think it's a lot why we get a lot out of uh, conferences and, and meetings and stuff. But I also find that I try to be approachable. So when I meet somebody, uh, I'll follow up with them and, and strike up a dialogue. That's great. And, and I would say, you know, just in listening to this conversation today, that's the one piece that I'm really going to take away is that idea of being really intentional about your network and a diverse network. Um, it's something that I don't think I've heard from a lot of leaders. I've heard, I've heard bits and pieces of that, but I don't know if I had heard anyone talk about it as intentionally as you have today. So I think that was really great. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so Bill, it's been a pleasure to have you on the Penn State Leaders Podcast. Thank you for your leadership to our nation and uh, thank you to your, for your service to Penn State. Yep, you're welcome. Appreciate it and thanks for the chance to share. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the Happy Valley Leaders Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Give us a review and share us with others. You can follow us on Twitter at HV Leader Podcast and on YouTube at Happy Valley Leaders Podcast. Remember, leadership is an action and a choice. So go be a leader.